Overdrive. It is Wednesday, day after Valentine's Day, my favorite time of the year. Thank you so much for all the flowers you sent my uh, last yesterday to my office. <laughs> <laughs> right on. That did not happen. Love it's in the air. Blues. It's V-Day, and I decided to wear pink just to say hello to all my friends. Um, happy Valentine's to everybody. I know it's a belated Valentine's Day, but there's love in the room because we were talking about making money, and who doesn't love that? Flipping today, 2017, and it's the right market to come back if you've been flipping or you've been rehabbing. And we're here to give you the do's and don'ts. Um, and to do that, of course, we got to align ourselves with the expert. We have Vince Melito in the studio. Carla, Nick, how are you guys doing today? I'm good, man. Happy heart day. Happy belated heart day. Oh, it's not a real holiday, guys. Yeah. Do you have a heart? I, I so agree with it's, you. It's if a you hallmark, gotta tell me when I gotta yeah. love somebody, we got a problem. Yeah, that's right. It's not about who's gonna tell you when, it's yeah. how, because God knows you don't have a heart. I don't let so. corporate America tell me when to say I love you to my significant other. I say I, it every day. Fact, I heart you, Patty. I heart you. It is a high pressure holiday though. So <laughs> I don't I, buy into it. I do agree. Nope. Yes. Nope. Yeah. I love so. it. <laughs> it's a great reminder to say, you know, tell the people that you love. That's true. Happy Valentine's Day. We heart you. So anyway, Nick, we got a great show today. Everybody is dying to hear about our secrets, right? I think in this in the room, everybody has had their hands on a flip, and we're we're currently in the process of transacting and, and flipping in 2017. So we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Let's open up the the conversation with you know what are your I don't know what is your biggest I mean how do you start a flip. Vince? Well, the one thing uh, that you need to make sure you're doing when you're looking to flip a property is, first and foremost, you're making your money when you first buy the flip. Absolutely. Everyone goes into the flip thinking, yeah, I'm going to buy this property and I'm going to improve it and then I'm going to make my money when I sell the property. Not true. Right. You're making your money when you buy it because if you don't buy the property right from the get-go, you're going to blow yourself up through the deal on the back end, and then when you go to sell it, you could very much lose There's no the way money out. you thought there you were going to make. There's no way That's out right. if you overbought it. You can't sell your way out of the deal. That's the bottom line. So you've got to buy it right on the front end. So with, with, uh, with that knowledge going in, you've got to make sure you get it right. And if you don't, you've got to make it a very unemotional process. Walk away. Go find the next one. But you've got to make sure you're buying it right when you're first finding a deal. Yeah, it's that infamous... Saying, I think we used to say it a lot uh, back in when we first started the show, it's always about buying low, selling high, and you can't lose the principle that some people have started to, you know, as the flipping phenomenon gains some steam, people give a lot of leeway to the market and the future of the market, and they're buying a little bit higher than they should because they're, they're, they're essentially thinking that things are just going to keep getting better. It's not buy high and sell higher, it's buy low and sell high. That's the exactly. mentality that a lot of people have, um, have forgotten. Right, and I think acquisition cost is the most important, right? Because even if you fail at gauging the numbers for rehab or what's it going to take you to t get the property off the market, those are that's a cost you're going to incur, right? Because you're keeping the lights on, um, water bill that you're going to incur, and if you're you know financing this investment, that's interest rates that you're going to pay to your you know hard money lender or the the lender that's lending you the money. So you can get that wrong, but you can leverage that if you you get a low acquisition. So aside from that, I mean, what is the next steps? I think the secrets that we want to share with our audience and. I'm sure that everybody, everybody wants to know because what everybody's saying out there is, where do we find this inventory? That's the biggest secret. I mean, if we can break that now because we understand that residential or just people who are going to own or occupy, they're having a hard time finding property. But what about the people who want to flip? What do you recommend? Yeah, let's go roundtable on that. Everyone's got something, I'm sure. 
So we'll start with Vince, well, obviously, because you're, you're pretty prolific at doing this. So I'll, I mean, I'll give you a couple different ideas, and I'll just give you a real simple one that worked for me in the past, and it's not go to the MLS. Although you do, you can definitely find deals on the MLS through your broker. So if you've got a broker you really like, let them go find some deals for you. A little harder to find during the spring market, but they're definitely out there later in the year. Um, if there's a neighborhood that you really like, and I suggest you try to <clears throat> excuse me, stay close to home when you're talking about flipping, make sure you know the area inside and out. Uh, but one thing I used to do, and, I, and I, it was very successful for me, is is drive the areas that you like, and if you see a home that's in disrepair or they're not cutting lawn or doing something like that, it's kind of an old-school idea. It works. It works. There's a good chance that this person is struggling financially, struggling to keep up with the house, struggling to keep up with the bills. Some of the deferred maintenance is Just starting to get tired. to them. And they're practically waiting for you yeah. to come there and solve their problem. Yeah. You know, you got to look at yourself as a problem solver. So when you're approaching somebody like that in that situation, you're there to help them solve their problem. You're not there, hey, I want to buy your house so I can make some money. No, don't make it about you. Make sure you make it about them. You can find yourself in a win-win situation and picking yourself up a house at the right price. Love it. you got to walk the streets. I mean, are you too good to walk the streets now, Nick? No, I, I'm lazy, <laughs> but I'm not too good. I'll drive the streets. I'm, I'm going to throw one more into the ring here. I, and actually... Coming on uh, the heels of was a couple weeks ago, we had one of your guests, one of, one of your invited guests, uh, an attorney, um, attorneys that deal with foreclosures and short sales, and uh, oftentimes have. That's another place that you can go to. Um, they oftentimes have clients that need to get out of a property, if you will, um, and are uh, in need of a buyer of a bad situation. So um, they seem to do a good job of pairing people up. If you're a buyer. They have sellers. It works. It's a, it's a, it's a win-win for him. Um, that's another source, in my opinion. Great. I agree. Patty, what do you I, got? Well, I do have a question, actually. I come in at the other end of this. I come at the, at the outside end of it when mm -hmm. we're fixing the property. You're on so the finished product. Exactly. So I'm a layperson when it comes to purchasing these products. So, you know, Nick, you had mentioned attorneys. Um, is it always financial distress, or is it sometimes uh, a divorce, let's say, or an estate. No, I love her, how she asks questions no, because she knows she's what a, she's asking. She's one hundred percent right. <laughs> she's setting attorney, it up for you. An attorney that deals with real estate in general. I mean, you can't have enough of them. In my opinion, you can't have enough people outside of an agent working for you, looking for you. I mean, an agent will have you know one agent is all you really need to build the system out and and give you a daily report of any new short sale that comes within a certain area. They could do that from a computer programming standpoint, and then you're going to get your streamlined info. But like Vince said, that's sometimes just not the best way of doing it. It works. You can always hit gold once in a while. Uh, but you got to – flipping's become tougher and tougher. There's a lot more people doing it ever since, let's say, the dawn of all these shows, Flip This House and, you know, How to Make Money in Rehabbing. And there's a lot of stuff out there. Outside of us doing a show, there's a lot of TV shows as well. So well, the key is, is that when people see it, and it's so easy on HGTV, right, is the HGTV mentality. Everybody wants to do it. And, yeah. of course, the market is great. Pricing is up. So it's easy to sell properties. Um, when you're selling properties, everybody, everyone wants to get into it. But when 2010, 2011, 2012, no one was, you know, selling properties. There wasn't an after repair value. There wasn't anybody buying things that were repaired. So I think a lot of people missed a boat. But if you want to know the secrets, and that's why I love this platform, and that's why I encourage you guys to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, um, well, obviously Facebook Live, but also www.marketoverdrive.com because we're giving you information. And I think here in the studio, we just named three amazing, really key uh, ideas as to, you know, you said walk the streets. I do that all the time. I have a, my whole team that 
passes out flyers and says, we have a buyer for you. Seriously, I came across the property and I left a note for someone and it was an estate. The mom was moving into a home um, because she, you know, she was getting older in age and it was easy. We bought the property for our investors and they flipped it. They put in a million dollar home there. And it was, this is in the Budlong uh, Woods area. And I think you're, you were, you had a two flood out there too that you were looking into, right? I mean, and where? But Longwoods, north, Raven, north of Lincoln Square. I mean, yeah. You were trying to sell it as Lincoln Square, but it wasn't. I don't remember that, <laughs> but, you know. I mean, going back to what, what just kind of to wrap up before um, Carla went on her little spiel. Wait, uh, I um, have the other one. You didn't ask me for mine. Well, we weren't done with Patty's, though. Okay, whatever. Go ahead. You, I'm said, sorry, a, Patty. you said a very good point. It, mm-hmm. we, I mentioned distressed attorney, attorneys that deal with distressed properties or any real estate attorney, but estate sales, <clears throat> oftentimes, there's uh i'm in the i'm currently in the middle of a probate refinance if you will where there's uh siblings going after the the one house mm-hmm. and the one person has lived there one of the siblings what i've seen in the few probates and estate sales is that everyone has been so distant from whoever you know passed away they just kind of want to wrap this up and there's always nice discounts typically in those properties assuming it's what i'll call an average home not like some uh, penthouse in the middle of the Gold Coast or downtown Manhattan. Those everyone kind of knows what they got there, so they'll go after top dollar, usually. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, if you're talking about some modest neighborhoods, there's this temperament amongst everybody that is in um, in kind of finalizing everything, getting their checks, if you will. And I've seen a lot of great deals happen, whether it's between the siblings or just out to the free market. So probate attorneys, estate attorneys, of course, distressed property attorneys. Foreclosure attor- defense attorneys. Foreclosure defense attorneys. All these attorneys are a very good outlet to, um, if you're a real buyer and you're, you're really going to take action. You might lose those contacts if you're always brushing off every opportunity or you never, you're kicking tires all day long. But those are, those are definitely good sources. That's why we have this show, right? Because we want to do the network aspect of it. We want to encourage you to align yourself with the experts. Work with a group of realtors. Obviously, my team is someone that's very aggressively seeking these opportunities all the time for our clients. And like I said, leaving notes on the doors for properties that look distressed. Um, but like you said, Nick, foreclosure defense attorneys, estate attorneys, and we, we have Mario Correa that comes on the show or was with us, and that's a good contact as well. Um, and like my one bit is obviously you can go to the websites like HubZoo, uh, HomePath.com, Auction.com. Auction.com, And yeah. these are very good outlets because I found that a lot of our investor clients are going to these, res- uh, to these sources for their properties. And of course, again and again, you have to align yourself with realtors who are out there and understand how to you know, give you the acquisition costs and let you know, don't pay any more than this. And then also, if you repaired it, what is the most that you could likely get for this property? And I don't like to say the most you can get. I like to say conservatively, what would be the worst case scenario so that you can work your numbers that way versus being so aggressive about what you expect for the market? Yeah, you don't want to be over-optimistic because at that point, if you fall short, it's costly. I mean, that could have been your entire profit spread. Oh, and, for sure. And I'm before we get into some more hows and don't, do's and don'ts, if you will, what would you say, uh, Vince, is the general typical margin just to kind of limit everyone's expectation now don't get me wrong there's some times when you find the right property and you literally made a hundred percent margin yeah um a hundred percent of what you invested in it but when you what would you kind of looking back at all the ones you've done where do you think is that that realistic area that you should walk away and say okay that was worth it that was what i kind of expected um 20 percent profit margin 30 percent profit margin i mean what are you typically seeing yeah realistically on a flip 
um, 15 to 18 percent is a very realistic number to go for. Net profit margin. Right. The reality is, is that once you're done with all of your, you know, your acquisition fees, your lending fees and, and everything else, if you're able to make that kind of return on your money, you're in pretty good shape. Also, you might want to just look at the deals individually, right? If it's a little bit of a higher-end deal, you might be able to take a little, uh, a smaller percentage return because there's so much more money to be made. Whereas if you're on, say, a lower-end home where you're picking it up for maybe 150 and you need to put 30 into it and you're at 180 and you think you can only sell it for, you know, 205 or 210 well, by the time you're done with your expenses and this and that, and if you end up getting 10 grand less than you thought, there's no money left. Yeah. You know, where on paper it might look like a 15% margin. You know, so you want to be careful. Um, you can, you know, so if, if it's a lower priced property, tend to look for a bigger margin. If it's a higher priced property, you can probably get away as long as you know the area and you're comfortable with a slightly smaller margin base. So if, if I'm doing a flip and my back end sellout fee uh, or sellout price, let's say I, I uh, estimate the sell price at around $600,000. On a deal like that, when it's all said and done, you know, I want to net at least sixty thousand, right. if not seventy-five thousand. You know, so that's a cons- that's and that's my conservative low-end number. So that only puts me around ten, twelve percent. Right. But I've got to feel very comfortable that that's my conservative number. Now, if I hit my high end on that deal, I'm going to make maybe ninety to hundred on that on that on that flip. I like what I said, and I want to question that because this is the second time I hear it. So the lower the acquisition, so if it's a small purchase, the higher the return versus if you're buying something big and you're doing a more expensive on a, flip. On a percentage basis, yes. Yeah. yeah. This because, is the second time that I've heard that. Yeah, because if I've got a $600,000 property and I, and, I, and I think my conservative number is seventy five, and I miss it by 20000 or twenty five, right? at least I'm still walking away at fifty grand. But if, if I'm only estimating 30000 or 25,000 on a small flip which I and I like those types of flips. You know, quick 25 on a low risk flip. The the smaller properties are still lower risk. There's still less risk involved in the deal. Right. So you might make 25 grand. But now if the market starts to go a little soft on you, those areas tend to go soft a little quicker. Now maybe you're taking 10 or 15. You might be doing all this work for $10,000. That could disappear on you very quick. That's just like a hobby. Why would you even want now to invest the time? In? Now it's a hobby. And I want to go back to where you said initially, you said that you want to you want to work an area that is close to you. And now that does that mean proximity because you live in that neighborhood? I know one of our co-hosts here, Graco, likes to do the United Center area because that's where he lives. That's where he, and, you know, he's seen the growth, right? He claims that he was the original developer. Oh, yeah. He's a pioneer. <laughs> the pioneer. Oh, God. <laughs> so we have to hear that all the time about how amazing he is with like understanding right. a neighborhood and knowing which is the next up and coming spot. But what do you mean by that? Like, do you, um, you know, that you have to live close? Is that because you're going to be managing that rehab there? You know, you actually said it best just just in the way you posed the question to me is is Graco went to this area. I like him. He's yeah. always complimenting me. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> I, my opinion of you is so high. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Graco said to you in, in the conversation, he goes, I really like this area because I live here and I know it really well. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to live there to know it really well, but know it really well. Don't get out of your comfort zone. Don't start don't start messing around in an area and say, oh, I'm, I'm so good at flipping that I can go into this area. I'm not really sure of the market, but, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to kind of step away from that a little bit. I don't like doing that, especially when you're first getting started out. But Vince, what do you say to someone that, I'm sorry, Nick, what do you say to someone that, I mean, there is no inventory. So at this point, I'm kind of open to wherever there's a good opportunity. 
Then make sure you're working with somebody who knows the area. It's got to be a realtor who knows it inside and out, who you trust, but who's not going to. Go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry, but that, that, that attitude, what you just said, is a very good question, but it's also reaching. You never want to be in a situation where you're reaching in, in the flipping game. You Comfort is probably the most important word in the entire concept of flipping. Are you comfortable in what you're going to do? If there's an ounce of uncomfort, meaning that this could really blow up, you're probably answering your own question. You should walk away. Now, we have different uh, tolerance of comfort. You said you're, you're typically doing them at between 10 to 18 percent net margins. That is the sign of a, a, what I would consider a more prolific flipper than myself. I don't flip as many homes as you probably have. I've done them. I personally, to keep me comfortable don't like going into something that I don't think I'm going to get at least a 25% margin on. But do you, that's oh, my okay. personal so thing. So you're talking about financial comfort. We're talking about location comfort. Well, that's, again, just comfort in the whole deal. Is okay. it, are you comfortable because it's around a corner from your house? Are you comfortable because maybe it's five miles away or, tw- or 15 miles away, but you know the profit margin is going to be really high at the Instead end of it Instead of comfort, all. I want to turn that and call it leverage. I think you want to leverage your big, knowledge about the location. Those are two totally different definitions, two different no, things. No, it's not. Leverage it's basically... and comforts are different words that have different meanings. We cannot... Okay, well, you went back and said that it was wrong for me to say that because there is no inventory, you should look at all the different options, all the different neighborhoods, as long as you understand the acquisition cost versus after repair value. I just said you don't want to be desperate. You're not desperate. Yeah. You're finding a deal. You can find a deal anywhere, but it has, look, you can be comfortable doing a deal 40 miles away from your house if it's the right deal. Yeah, Again, the numbers are to, there. It goes Looks back good on to paper. you're comfortable with it. But if you're in a situation where, um, like for me, I could never go into a 600000 personally. Now, it sounds like you have and you're succeeding with it. But and then that's, that's great. risk assessment. But it's just I could never go into a $600,000 deal saying I'm going to make 60000 because if something goes wrong, that's right. a whole lot of money to Invest. put out let, there. Let me run those for numbers me, for, for you. For me personally. Let me run those numbers for you and how they might look real quick just so you kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about because it's spread mm-hmm. margin. Okay, so let's just say I have a house and I, I pick it up for uh, this. I'm going to give you an example of a house I'm working on right now. It's 419 North Washington in Park Ridge. I'm, I'm finishing up the construction. I'm going to be on the market in a week. There's a plug. All right. <laughs> Visit 419.com. <laughs> acquisition, acquisition cost um, on a property. Real this numbers? Property You're going to share real numbers? $360,000. Okay. $360, $360, mm-hmm. okay. Now, by the time it's all said and done, I will have $163,000 into the cost of the rehab. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that is over budget. We went over budget on this one by a good, you know, twenty thousand dollars. All right. So it sounds like you're at five twenty right now. Is that so? We're we're at, we're at approximately five twenty five twenty five. Okay. All right. Now I think the final sales price on this, where we're going to list it at six fifty, and we think we're going to do pretty well and get reasonably close to that. So when you hear those numbers, it's it sounds real. It sounds like a large margin. It sounds, sounds like a lot like of money. Sounds like 20% there. Right? Okay. But it's not. Right. Because you have to factor in now your sell costs and some of your holding costs and things like that. And you need to factor those numbers out. It's another like 9 you know, to 10% off of that number. So when I'm all said and done, there's going to be you know, you know, maybe another you know, 50, 60, maybe 70, depending on how we do on the back end of profit in there. But again, it's a reasonably comfortable profit because I've got the spread between you know what I'm gonna what I have into it, mm-hmm. and then what I expect it to sell for it minus out the selling cost. So that's not a deal I would walk away from because it's not every day. You know, I, I don't you know walk over you know sixty grand you know walking down the street every day. It's a good amount of money 
for you know about a six month uh, flip. And again, again, this is imperative that people understand this because you're doing this and you're sharing this information. Thank you so much for sharing it with our audience here at Market Overdrive. And again, I want to plug it. I mean, you have to log on and follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and MarketOverdrive.com. But who is going to sit here and tell you their numbers, right? This is important because people want to flip. They see it on HGTV and they want to do it all the time, but they right. don't understand the numbers. And you were talking about comfort, Nick, and I think it's just risk assessment, right? Because we looked at location, amount of investment. And these are things that are important because, you know, like you, you know your numbers. But if you are not a realtor, you're looking at the third-party websites like Zillow and, and tax records to assess this information. Well, that's a weakness. You're already losing leverage into a successful flip if you don't align yourself with the experts. I'm very Personally, I'm very comfortable floating around in the, let's just call it the average price point here in Illinois. Uh, somewhere around the two hundred fifty to three hundred fifty thousand dollar range for a single family home. I like how you average. like to say average. I mean, th- that is it's by average. neighborhood. Illinois is the state I just referenced. Okay, the, so the, average, the average overall is two fifty. I don't know why we're going to do this. Okay, this is going to be a long conversation over nothing. <laughs> the average price point, and if you want, I can pull it up for you after the break. Of Illinois is around two fifty to You don't understand how long our conversations dollars. end up after our shows because we have well, to like average, continue to argue these the things. The average in Gold Coast where we're at <laughs> is a substantially higher number. Let's go back to single family homes throughout the average suburbs, right? So um, to me those are comfortable areas to work in because I know what's gonna happen quick um, and and it's gonna be relatively easy to meet the demands of the neighborhoods. Um, but just last week I actually called you about a property uh, on the far north side. And it looked great. That's what I was talking to you about. The whole property looked, yeah, that, is that what you were talking about? Yeah, okay. Ballon Woods. I did, at, <laughs> it's at not some Lincoln point, Square. At some point, I didn't know what it was. It, it, at some point, the deal looked good at first. There's an opportunity to buy a you property. You walked away from that? At 400, well, when I got deeper into what it's going to really cost to construct it. Sorry, guys, inside the back scoop, of the but house could you have called falling, Carla? The back of the house was falling apart. It needed a whole rear to it. I mean, trust me. <laughs> I'm like, this thing might go to 300, 400,000. And and now I'm working at an acquisition cost of three hundred sixty, three seventy, somewhere around there. Another three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars into the improvements. Now, granted, this the, the, the house next door sold for eight fifty, but I'm already at this eight seven high seven number, and I haven't really opened things up yet. I per and and now Vince, maybe you, someone like you that have done a lot of these things, says, well, there's still a good spread there of a hundred thousand dollars. That's getting and tight up in that range. Now. In my opinion, it is. <clears throat> I just started to get uncomfortable because, one, yeah. it is a hike from where I live to go there every yeah. day, exhaust some of my everyday time. Because I'm assuming everybody listening is, wants to do flipping as a side or at least to get started right now. I mean, the, the true developers don't really need to be listening to the show and get educated. They do this every day as well. Um, but for me, I, I started looking at going in 700000 to make a, a possible hundred to one hundred fifty, And I got nervous. It's far away. It's a lot of and money. And this is where he and I didn't agree I wasn't because... comfortable. I just wasn't comfortable. I mean, could I have succeeded? Would it have probably worked? I think the probability is yes, I would have made it all happen. But I wasn't comfortable with the deal. And that's kind of where I go back to like my viewpoint. Because I just had one come up. Um, I have two other ones going on as we speak. Completely comfortable. See, and this is where you and I were. It wasn't that we disagreed, but it was more of like uh, offering options, right? If you look at a property, he was looking at multi-unit, and Nick said, I'm going to convert it into a single family because that's what's trending in that neighborhood. And I said, do you know how many people want two flats? And if it's in close proximity to public transportation, then you could still sell it as a two-flat. Duplex up, duplex down. So but the highest comp you- was a single family. It was. 
It was. Did the highest even... comp was a single family. But the problem is that in that area, there's, also, you have to look into that area. There's nothing there was changing. No it's a, it's not a there. transient neighborhood. So you would be creating the market. Okay, I'm going to say this one last time. The back of the house was falling <laughs> off. I don't care. I get it needs so excited. A whole new I want to play. It's in the back of the house. It's not, it wasn't a joke. Okay, I mean, but you it wasn't know, paint and carpet and tile. But here, it was a serious project. Oh my gosh. Do you honestly think all I do is lipstick surgery? No, but I'm just telling you, it was going to be a big project. But move on from that. So I was going to say, Nick, just take your deal right there for an example. So you were getting up into the low 700s and you were thinking your, your, your sell price might be around. You know, eight fifty, right? So now, once you take off your, you know, nine ten percent on your holding costs, now you're all the way, now you're all the way down to seven seventy five. So now you're around eight percent. So eight percent of the sell price. So when I say my margins, you know, I like to keep on the low end around the twelve percent of the sell price, um, uh, comfortably fifteen to eighteen. So you dip below that. So your 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 natural instincts, your gut was talking to you there and said, "Well, wait a minute. This is getting t- too tight. I'm not comfortable. It's a little bit too far away for me." And that was just your instinct starting to talk to you, tell you that, "Yeah, this one does just one's feeling a little tight, a little too risky." And and the next time you see that deal, you're going to walk away from it. I completely agree. Can you agree. clarify something for me, for yeah. a layperson? Carla had mentioned HGTV. HGTV does something very unrealistic. They do not figure labor costs into rehab costs. Yeah, it's bad for TV. They talk about it, but it doesn't sell TV. Exactly. And it's overwhelming. Right. And I I do think a lot of, I think there's two types of flippers. The ones that do some of the labor themselves and those that go into it strictly as an investment. Or the crazy um, ones that do it because they want to, they love properties and they want to rehab it and they want to get their hands dirty. And they want to manage And I don't mean right. to, you know, I, I'm, I'm being silly here, but I don't advocate, you know, getting so excited about something that you're going to want to make it work. I'm just teasing that because I like to give them a hard time. But at the end of the day, you have to be a conservative investor. You have to know your numbers, 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 numbers. And I think I say that all the time, understanding the analytics. Why are you smiling? The property's available if you want to go buy it, <laughs> knock it out, big so, shot. Vince Hi. and Nick, you are talking strictly at as you, your tool is the pencil and the phone, and you're I, hiring subcontractors, and you're not doing yeah, I think, when you're talking about these margins. I'm not swinging a hammer. Okay. I, 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 hammer. I, I, All right. Yeah, and I think I think. Does it first, look like Pretty Boy's gonna look? I'm gonna nail anything. Well, you know, yeah, like, I, I, I can lay down some serious tile. <laughs> but ruin the manicure. Just so you know, but, yeah. I doubt that. I'm but gonna, okay. The, you know, I'm gonna close this out here for a second, but um, I just wanted to kind of reference that the first part of this show is really kind of getting you a general idea of how we kind of look at things from the over an overview perspective i think when we come back from a break let's get to some do's and don'ts what what do you absolutely need physically if you will to go and do this a crew and all that other fun stuff so we'll get into all the 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 specifics when we come back from a break you're listening to market overdrive on wgnradio.com and of course You're going to be able to stream us live uh, coming up here soon at marketoverdrive.com or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash marketoverdrive. We'll be back in a couple of, well, we'll be back shortly. I don't know if it's a couple (laughs) of minutes or a minute, but we'll be right here in about a minute. Another segment of Market Overdrive. We are here. We hang out here every Wednesday at 10 a.m. It is so impossible to do my job when you're around. Oh, do you want me to take a day off? I will gladly take next week you off. You know, you keep threatening me with that. Just do it. Take it off. Take a whole month, a whole year. Take it off. There it is. 
We heard I have permission to take off a whole year. I will kill you. Ladies I will and gentlemen, find this you. will be my last show until 2018. I will find you. you know, don't do that. You're so annoying. You just he wants validation. Of I'm this. not looking for any validation. I'm just looking to make your life a miserable <sighs> living heck. Let's get back to Going flipping back. in 2017 and why you're watching us while instead of being at work and getting, making some, getting things done. Um, we're hoping that you're watching us while you're at work and tuning in and sharing our information with your friends. Again, don't keep us a secret. There's tons of information here that you're hearing it from. I mean, Vince Melito, you, how many flips did you do last year? Uh, last year I did uh, only two this year. Um, no, I'm sorry. Last year I had four projects going on, uh, most of them actually at the same time. Um, one of them worst. is actually going to get sold out this year. I mean, and sometimes it just takes times, and that's why you want to make sure that you know the timeline, right? How to structure these deals because they're not like a conventional sale or purchase. It's a complete strategy. I mean, you have to be organized. You have to understand the numbers. And that's what we're about to do. I think what we should do is we kind of gave it, like I said in the last break, we gave a general scope, an idea, and a conceptual platform of what flipping's like and what we look into or what we look for but i think it, our people listening need to kind of have a step-by-step process if you will vince yep so um we've all flipped some properties in this room um and, but i'm going to start with uh step number one let's 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 go with you because you've clearly done more um what would be the first step in let's let's just call it a five-step process if you will it could be four steps or six steps at the end of this conversation but what things where should we start if we want to get into flipping. Well, you need to make sure you have your money in place. So now, you know, you've identified the process. You want to make sure you have a lender or maybe it's um, maybe it's a hard money guy or maybe it's just an investor partner. And you want to make sure you have the money in place. And I know that this something is kind of falls into your arena mm-hmm. of something that you know very well. Uh, what have you done in the past to, uh, for, to either finance or arrange for uh, or funding uh, on a flip? I personally, um, I would have, in my opinion here, I would have two different sources and for two different scenarios that could come up in your situation. Um, if you find the right property, and what I mean by that is two different money streams. There's not, not at one lender is the perfect lender for every project across the board. So, for example, if you contact my, my company, iLoan, and you're looking to uh, be a rehabber, we're not the lender you go to if you're, you're trying to get in and out of a deal within like a four-month span. We're, we actually don't want that loan. We're not in the business of doing very, very short-term loans. Uh, we're the lender that at least six months would be optimal for us. Uh, we understand you can't keep a house forever. Um, but there is other lenders that are ready, that do want something less than six months, and they want to lend to you for a very short period of time. So number one, have both of them lined up. Um, or there's nothing wrong with what we call either a crowdfunding or you have friends with a lot of money that, that are willing to invest and you could pay them a return on their investment. What did um, that down again, Nick? Because you just used a, a term that's only industry-specific, right? Crowdfunding. Those- crowdfunding is where you would, let's just create the, a short little, a small little crowd right here, but I come to everybody in this room, and we have three people on the air, two people assisting us with our social media, so we have five people in this room, right? Even in the back studio, there's another four people. You guys can join let's the grab, team. Let's grab all nine of everybody <laughs> Empty here. Empty your and, purses. And Nick needs $250,000 or a ballpark of two hundred fifty to $300,000 to know that he's got on standby for the next project he does. So if I have um, $30,000 from each one of you as a crowd, that would get me to that two hundred seventy, roughly $300,000 range. So that's what we would consider a crowd of people. That's what crowdfunding. Now, there's sites that do this as well. Uh, you can go to, and it could be 100 different investors looking for a certain return. Um, but I don't, I'm not here to plug a bunch of websites. I'm just giving you an example of a, 
a, a crowd of funds, or it could be one friend with deep pockets that wants to make a return on his investment, and he's ready to go. But if you're going to go to institutional financing, you're going to go to uh, a longer-term project. Let's face it, Vince, I'm sure you've gone into some projects that you're like, this is going to take a bare minimum of six or seven months. It probably won't be ready for a year from now, for whatever reason that is. Um, that you can go to a traditional lender and get your 4% interest rates, if you will, and that's perfectly fine with them as an And are we allowed offer. to talk about the hard money lenders? We're about to right now. Oh, okay. And, and, but you're going to somebody where you, know, you want to do it on your own. You don't want to go to your friends. You don't want to go crowdfunding. You just want to have a good relationship with a short-term hard money lender or a renovation. We call them a rental renovation lender. Uh, they're typically more expensive, but they're expecting you to be done Usually within six months, they'll give you extensions and all that fun stuff, but they don't like being in a deal very, very long. So those are the three sources I would have lined up. I highly recommend you look into all three of those because every project has a different appetite of lending, but don't think you have one guy that's going to do it one way and that's it. There might be a situation where certain properties are you're, you're fighting for it with a cash offer, and institutional financing might be too long of a road in order for you to win the bid. You got to say you can close it in 10 days and blah, blah, blah. And you might need to have that personal pocket lined up. So those are your three funding sources. So you got to have these people lined up because you never know how it's going to affect also don't. your negotiations and acquisition as well. That right. could affect it. You said lender, right? This conventional lender like iLoan. And then the crowdfunder and then hard money lenders. Those now, are the options. And, uh, and rich the, cousin. So step one would be for, get your financing lined Uncle. up. Right. At least with some possible scenarios, get a feeler for what your lenders are going to require some of them are going to require bigger down payments. Some of them might not. I don't know. You're going to have to find that out uh, and make sure that your crowdfunding or your friends or whoever is going to be an investor, if that's the, the route you're going, truly has it available and right. truly is ready to do this. Right. You want to have proof of funds available have those, ready. Have, those term, have the terminology and the structure of your financing instrument lined up. Be prepared so that when you need to pull the trigger, you can do it fast. So we got number one out of the way. What's Step next? two, I'm saying buy a property. Fick, uh actually make the transaction happen scouting what do you feel about that yeah um so we i mean we covered on the first segment kind of the acquisition part of it mm -hmm. um so yeah yeah you've got to make sure you have identified you know a property that you want using some of the um ways that we had suggested earlier sure um well, the way the way I see it, and I, and I know you guys are going through this timeline, but I want to look at it from like being a company, right? You want to structure a team. You want to your timeline should be about how do you set up a company? You want to have you know your your financing department ready. You want to have your realtor team ready, and you want to have your general contractor team ready. And before you even start that, you need a name. What are you going to call this company? Don't you set up an LLC uh, or a trust? I mean, how do you That's start that point. process? That's a good point. We didn't even touch that. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, honestly, you don't need to worry about that when you become a little more prolific at it. Yeah. Your first, don't worry about all the LLCs. People get all excited. They start their LLC. They're spending money. They're hiring an attorney. They're they never, they never the bought state. a property. Yeah, you've, first of all, you've got to find your property. You've identified it right. um, using some of the um, you know uh, ways that we suggested in the first segment. You got to make sure you have your lender in place, and then you know I would say then the, the step after that is to make sure you have a good contractor in place. Okay. And I want to talk about how you identify a good contractor because you can find a contractor anywhere. And that's very important. I think the key <laughs> to any flip part. is not just the financing, the the contractor, but and your realtor. But I think contractor, especially because I mean I'm not very well versed in that, and I think for me that's a key. I think it's one of the absolutely most important parts of the deal I because say it's number one. I mean, if important. you have a bad contractor, 
boy, you can get yourself in some serious trouble really quick. Mm. Or, you know, if he... If really he, quick. Give me a nightmare. Scare everybody. Just, you know just, how you tell your kids, don't they, touch that stove because it's hot and they touch it anyway? They, <laughs> this they is going to be one of those moments. Vince, I mean, tell there's, there's a couple ways they can get you in trouble. It's, it's either a guy who's... Um, he shows up, you know, he shows up uh, in a nice shirt and, uh, and, and, and nice shoes and, and he's hiring guys who aren't that qualified because he's trying to make, you know, uh, enough spread. money on, mm-hmm. yeah, a bigger spread on his own. And now you've, you're, you've got a house that's not getting done the right way and maybe you run in trouble uh, with your inspection or, or something like that. Or he's just eating up your profit. Yeah. You know, you've got to shop it around. I think, you know, Nick, I called you earlier because I'm helping a client do a flip as well. And I'm like, I don't you know, these numbers are ridiculous. You know, you want to keep that cost low, but you have to understand the dynamics. And I think you said, fine, don't you start with the name LLC, estate, whatever, or trust, whatever. Forget about that. But the legs of the transaction is contract. I'm sorry. You said um, financing, realtor and contractor. Contractor is key. Uh, Make sure your contract gives you a bid on the project. And obviously you're going to use that in your form which you're then going to go back and sell it to your investors who are going to finance this deal. I'm in the middle of a deal right now where the contractor completely screwed up my deal. I mean, I'm still going to be okay at the end of it all, but he, a lot of bro, I want to try somebody new out because he looked like he had a good solid team. He talked a hell of a talk, uh, put together a pretty aggressive bid. Um, But at the end of the day, he just went rogue. I'll be honest with you. I mean, he he went rogue not only with uh, his numbers weren't lining up um, with the promises on the piece of paper, um, he uh, wasn't taking the proper channels with permitting. I mean, the demolition was done right. We had got we received that permit, but then it was. And you're in a town that on. you cannot get away with and not getting you know, permits. You know, so like you know, even the most experienced people can run into a bad person. This guy looked good. I seen some of the work he had done, but you know, I think he threw in a soft bid to win the job. And then all of a sudden, he was trying to change the overall scope and the overall cost. It's like, well, wait a minute. You got the job now, and now this thing's mushrooming, and we haven't even made any changes. And so you un- you, out- you didn't Ouch. bid yourself a- appropriately. So that was a bad test. And run. then they stopped showing up. If you right. don't immediately adjust, you know, you're priced upwards I fired on the budget him. that, that, they, that sh- they promised. He didn't have to worry about yeah. showing up. I knew when something, I've been doing yeah. this long enough. When something stinks, it stinks. you got to yeah. go. And I went back to yeah. my old cruise. Um, he just he underbid my old cruise. And so I'm like, well, look, this is a money game, and I'm going to take a shot. Yeah. And it, it just didn't work out. He wasn't what he was, you know, he prom- he was promised to be, and that it happens even to people with experience. Uh, luckily, I knew when something was off, and I still had time to adjust. But I would say personally, that's going to cost me about ten thousand dollars in this whole mess, scheme and things. Could Which that's worse. the staging budget. I'm yep. just kidding. <laughs> that's it's my budget. It, well, it's just profit. It's profit. I lost yes. ten thousand dollars by using a fool. Is there a way to um, protect yourself? Uh, contractually, yeah, or I mean, well, uh, you have contracts. You could sue. You yeah. could go into all that stuff. But then you got to make business Time decisions consumer, about how much yeah. do you want to spend yeah. suing him. If he looted me for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, we'd have we'd have a hell of a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. If he was off by a few thousand dollars, I don't know if I have the time or aggravation to go through an attorney and file that. And spend the money to go after the yeah. same amount of money. So, and it's important to note as well, Nick, that even though you're saying hire a contractor, and they're considered the general contractor, you're still overseeing every Absolutely. aspect of the transaction. You were able to see that there was a shift in in relationships and 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 what he was delivering to you because yeah. you were on top of the transaction. It wasn't my first rodeo, but right. again, it goes back to the word comfortable. If something's going on and it's not making sense, or you feel like you're being lied to from your GC, or you feel like this isn't taking shape oh, the way it was told. we're tapping into your inner gut it, it feeling. It turns into a comfort level. Told you it was going to be a Valentine's Day show after all. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but that, 
the crew is so important. So, you know, I guess what we're, what we're saying here is, number one, if you have just a general contract that's going to do this for you, um, try and stick with somebody you're constantly comfortable with or, or somebody you can trust their work. Patty mentioned earlier, there's some, there's some people that are great framers, great electricians. They do, they're kind of like handyman jacks of all trades. They could probably get away with saving some money, and they would just need a plumber to help them finish a project off or, or a tile setter to help finish off a project or whatever it might be <laughs> that, you know, that they don't specialize in. But have your people lined up. Um, or just do what I do: work with family, because I can yell at my brother all the time. What were not you thinking? Got a brother that, not, <laughs> not everybody a brother has a brother. You guys can call my brother. <laughs> I, I like my contractors to be to be guys who are active participants in the work. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, the key guy when you're looking for a contractor is the carpenter. A lot of times, a carpenter is also the GC, so he maybe can bring an electrician or a plumber to the table for you. Otherwise, you find your own electrician and your own plumber, so that there's not another 12, 15 percent being added into the cost of those things. But that's what I look for and the carpenters the the probably the biggest um uh piece mm-hmm. of the contracting puzzle that you want to make sure you've got right you know if it's just a guy who's gonna then turn around and hire a carpenter you know again there's these rehabs become very tight with your margin so you really need to make sure you're getting the right guys in there and you know and then making sure you've got some good referrals from them and checking out their old work because as nick was just saying you can find someone that can look good and it's it's all in a pretty package and the work looks okay and then it still goes south so there's a lot of risk involved in who you're picking to do this work. Absolutely. Gentlemen, in this part of the timeline, at which point do you bring in a realtor? I mean, well, you, I, you guys are in, experts you, you, you because you know. Beginning. You, we had them in the beginning. You can call it step one or step two, technically. I think a realtor and a loan officer, just like with any other purchase, are pretty simultaneous, simultaneous decisions. You should know that you're approved or you know you have your financing lined up. Um, and of course, someone's going to help you find this property in the agent. So whether you want to start with one and two, whatever's you know, I don't really see a huge difference in it. Well, the only reason I ask is because a lot of flipping or in- investors who are flipping now are calling me once the property's already been fixed or rehabbed, and I'm walking in there like, "Why did you do this kitchen this way? Why did you?" I, th- <laughs> I agree. I think that Carla. should be the same realtor personally. Agree. Yeah, I um, think that should be the Vince. Correct me if I'm wrong. It should be the right same person. The Whoever helped you with it should be able to tell you what they think it's worth if you did it a certain way. I agree. I agree. And, yeah. here, and here's the thing, and because Nick and I keep talking because we're both experts in that in that early stages. You know, it's a, you know Nick is a loan officer, and me with the real estate background, we're already armed with that knowledge, and we know these areas. However, for our audience, for the people who are looking to do this, yeah, they don't. You better have a realtor who really knows their stuff very early, and helping you with the acquisition all the way back to the beginning stage of the acquisition. So in many ways, maybe you put the realtor all the way to the very front of the deal, right. because if you're not the expert of the area and what it can sell for, and how some of the things that get integrated and what it's going to go for in the back end, you better have that person with you right from the beginning. And I, even if you're using those third-party websites like a HubZoo or an auction.com, um, those are still websites where you can bring in a realtor but also give you the analytics, right? Don't use Trulia. Don't use Zillow. Don't use third-party if, websites for yeah, acquisition if you, costs. And if you didn't, I would hurry up and contact the realtor about the end game. What do you think? I just bought this property on auction.com for $75,000. Yeah. What do you think I could sell this if I really did it all the way to the nines and it was a perfect home? And, and what does the nines gutted, mean? What does that entail? Completely gutted, you know, new electrical, new plumbing, new HVAC. Well, sure. like it's completely redone. What could this house sell for? Let that person tell you. And then I would actually hire that person because it's like, okay, you said you could sell this house at two fifty. You're going to get this house at I met with four people I'd like to put week. that same realtor that bought me. Like, let's yeah. say I didn't use an auction.com or a HUD.com or something like this. 
and Vince Melito found me the property. He says, Nick, this is a great one. It's only sixty-five thousand, but if you put a good eighty into it, you could sell it for two twenty-five. Okay, Vince. I, aside from the fact that you found the deal for me, and common courtesy would have Vince relist it and resell it for me, um, I also like the fact that I can put him on his own words. Hey, you told me this was a good idea, and you said that it was an easy two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars sale. I got your product the way you want it. Right here, it is. Go sell it for two twenty-five. I think that keeps everybody honest, right. and again, puts you back to being comfortable. I would highly discourage people to use one agent to buy the f- the property, the subject property, and another different agent to sell it. I personally wouldn't do that. And you got to reward the agent too. So the the agent who's hustling for you on the front end, you got to reward them with the deal on the back. Absolutely, end. that's part you know, of the loyalty. I, of but they, the I deal think you also with what could happen later. You and have to use their own yeah. words against them if right. you're if you're this person that is not in the industry. I agree if with you. If you come to me and tell me buy this thing today, you can easily sell it for three hundred. I need to hold you accountable. Right, and I, and I love that you're saying I want to reward you. I want to thank you for helping me hustle at the front end. At strong. the end of the day, you know it's customer service. That's what you expect have... from your. That's what you expect from your realtor is that customer service. When I work with someone from the inception to the end, I'm giving them acquisition calls. I'm giving them recommendations on what they can and cannot do in that kitchen. What colors to pick, and it's really hard. Even for myself, I'm looking. I called you, Nick, and said, "Hey, I got three colors for this kitchen in this specific neighborhood. What do you think it's going to sell more?" Or right. Fastest is it going to be this dark one, this white one, or this in between color? And you'd be surprised. I mean, I call Patty all the time because you know she is the stager. She is going to tell me paint colors. You're going to tell me, you know, what do I do with this kitchen? Do I open it up or do I keep it enclosed? Right. But the realtor also though is such a great resource for an investor because it's the realtor that knows the neighborhood. It's the realtor that knows what is an overinvestment and what is an appropriate must-do investment. You don't want to overimprove a property. Um, it's just money down the drain. But you do need to get certain boxes checked off for it to be a desirable property in that area. Those All, are And from acquisition, you're already right. negotiating. You're strategically you're deciding how you're going to market this per, this property, what you're going to do, who's going to be that buyer. Is it going to be a first-time buyer? Is it going to be a step-up buyer? And so once you understand who that target audience is, that special, you know, that marketing specialist is going to be able to guide you through the finishes of the property, but also the negotiations of the property. Yeah. Right. Let me go back to that property we mentioned earlier where I didn't feel comfortable. Well, you didn't want to um, bring me on the deal? Well, hold on a second. You're more than welcome to have it all to yourself, honey. <laughs> it's all you. I love how he, now he gives but it to we, me because he knows we, it sucks. Um <laughs> The, the the importance of having people and a team around you, which is kind of the the the, the body of uh, the skeleton of this whole conversation. Really, we had the it's realtor, creating that the you, company, the realtor you had that picked out the house, found the house, the financing person that you have that's going to line you up with the funds for the house, the GC you have, which is number three uh, for the cost of construction, and then we're going to end up back at uh, staging and closeout and marketing here in a minute, but. One of the people that actually protected me from doing that deal wasn't just me not feeling comfortable. It was my the Your I use mom, a, I use a Lydia? I use a short term lender like a rehab lender to do oh. that project, and he luckily had done several in that area, and I showed him what I was looking to finish up and get to, and he said that all three of them have been well over three hundred construction costs. So oh, he goes, wow. just so you know, After and you I said, already had that feeling okay. in my stomach that this is going to go north of two fifty. And and I said I think I'm gonna get it knocked out for two fifty three hundred. He goes I've had two hit close to four, and I had another one that was in the mid threes. So be prepared if you're good with it, you're approved. But it's it might not be as high of a margin that you feel good with. And he actually helped me walk off the ledge. Number one, it's his money too. He's putting it on yep. the line to invest in me, um, or his lender is. But 
it's so important that all these people uh, are involved. Sometimes you might want to take your GC that you, or the, whoever's going to do the, Always. The, the work with you. Just Maybe you're in the contract phase, but you still find out you need to walk away, even if it costs losing your earnest money, because your GC is like, hey, man, this is not a $40,000 job. This is going to go farther than that. And you might need that person to prevent you from making a big mistake. So all these people, most lenders will walk away from a deal if they don't think it's going to appraise or your, your, your end goal is not going to come out to where it comes regardless. But now you have a realtor protecting you. You have a lender protecting you. You have it's a general contractor protecting you. That's why it's so important to pick all these three people in these three steps out. Your CEO, your VP, your, you know, you always have to have that structure, though. Right. And I think that you have to, again and again, I keep saying that on the show, align yourself with an expert that's going to help you. And I don't know if we want to get into this, Nick, but a signable flip, like you had mentioned, you know, I don't even have to touch it and I could still make some money. Um, that's, it's probably, a different, that's wholesaling and all that stuff. That's probably Right, a but show. it's still that's an option, right? If you don't want, we're not going to compli- complicate it today, but, you know, there's always that other option. And when I said talk to a realtor, you know, when you and I were powwowing, if you want to say, um, you said, I'm going to turn it in, I'm going to turn this two flat into a single family. And I said, no, leave it as a two flat because the market demands that there is a lack of inventory for that product. And then you talked about, well, what if I just sell it? I'm just going to, you know, sell, buy it and sell it again. Yeah, so I'm, there's a different I'm, option. I'm happy to sell it to you. No, I don't want to buy you it. Just tell me you, you make want me it. so sick. You know, if you already <laughs> juiced it out and it doesn't have anything. Left. I haven't done anything to it. So it's still sitting <laughs> I still want to look into it, but um, <laughs> I'm intrigued. Get to, let's get on to the fourth step. Uh, we're, we're coming to a close. Construction's gone well, hopefully. Uh, we're on our timelines, and we see ourselves a few weeks out before it's ready for um, to go on the market. Uh, what do we do next? Who wants you bring to in, in Patty. There you go. You got to bring the stager. <laughs> you got to go. sell the lifestyle, right? And I think strategically, and I keep saying strategy, strategy, strategy. I had, um, we just put a property in Berwyn this week and they, they flipped it. And I wrote in the uh, agent remarks, uh, willing to give closing cost credits to the next buyer and also FHA okay. Why? Because this is a target audience where it's a first time buyer and someone who's going to, you know, possibly be using the, these type of products. And what do they want? They've never bought before. If you're a first time buyer, you can't envision yourself in that space. So you need to bring somebody who's going to create that lifestyle for you that's why you bring in a stager who's going to create you know set up that kitchen that bathroom that master bedroom. as an investor you want zero emotion but when you go to market that property you want to bring in the love emotion it Patty knows again how to read and that. not so not when, your own emotion when, the buyer's emotion when do we bring you in like when is the optimal time we don't need to bring you in the day we bought the property no absolutely right. not okay. um, it, but but um things like colors um yeah. yeah, that's a possibility. But then also, so is the realtor. Mm-hmm. If it's a, a savvy realtor um, for those larger choices, um, the bigger investments, I would also have a realtor on board yeah. who can tell you, you know, in this neighborhood, you definitely want the uh, wolf oven, for example, or, you know, there's no point. Uh, or decorative items. Like, I know that I've called Decorative items, you. right. Yeah. What do oh, we do? absolutely. A lot of people are doing solid colors for their doors nowadays or doing that really solid gray. And, you know, in some neighborhoods, it may not pan out very in well. In some neighborhoods, it's um, not needed. A lot of people are getting trendy and cheek with their barn doors. And in some neighborhoods, that may not trend well as well. So, I mean, you want to bring in a stager that's going to tell you, okay, these are the trends. These are the decorating state, you know, trends. But you got to bring in a realtor that's going to say, uh, that may be too specific. You're customizing it and you want to bring it as you know keep it as vanilla as possible correct 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a fine line. It's a very fine line because the, the property, you want it to have personality, but you sort of want it to have your ideal buyer's personality. You want it and to so, fit a marketplace. Who are you trying to sell this exactly. house to? Exactly. Understand who your target audience is. And again, exactly. it goes back to the whole concept of being in a company, right? You want to have your marketing team that's going to give you um, information about who that buyer is. And one of the biggest things that um, I, I want to give out there, and it, this is a huge secret, it's more of like the negotiations aspect, which this is what's going to keep the whole deal together. This is what's going to allow you to reach that profitability margin. And it's how you negotiate your deals. Um, I want to advise you if you're looking to flip or any, you know, any deal whatsoever. Two of the things that you should always request when you're negotiating a deal is, I know a realtors are going to get upset at me if I say this, but demand that your preferred lender also, sec, you know, goes through that approval. You know, if somebody comes in and you have five offers, which I just had last week, I made sure that my preferred lender review that approval because you want to make sure that the you know that you you look at proof of funds for the deposit you want to make sure that that pre-approval is in fact a pre-approval because if you trust this lender they're going to look and review that buyer's um that buyer's information to make sure that it's going to go to closing so again you have to create leverage for yourself put yourself in a situation where you're going to have multiple bidding wars why are you looking at me like that why are you making that face uh, I just think we stepped over a few things. That's no, all. we didn't. I'm just telling you, no, negotiations, no, no, it's part of the realtor. That's our job. That's what we do. It sounded like you were going down the right path with something, but then it kind of sounds like we stepped to the final point. No, it's not. I liked when you were saying you got to negotiate. I think that one thing we didn't mention here is, is if we could leave one floating tip in this whole thing is the whole process. I remember one businessman said to me a long, long time ago, um, negotiate everything at all times during business. Because everything, every little penny will add up eventually. So, you know, negotiate the price of the acquisition. Carla hit that on the head. Negotiate your, your, your contractor. Got to do it. Negotiate with your lender. You're using a renovation loan. They want to charge four points to do the loan. Try and get it down to at least two. I mean, they're typically not free loans, but um, whatever. Every dollar throughout this whole process is the goal of coming out to a net profit at, okay. at the end of it. So negotiation is very, very key. Negotiate the stager. You're going to have to talk to them. How you much is it going to charge? You can't negotiate my stager. We, we're going to have to. She's the key all, to success. It's, it's all, it's all, You're I'm not sure negotiating you get plenty the negotia- realtor. I'm sure you it's get plenty of, of people. It's part of You get pl- plenty, plenty of people negotiating your services. It's just life. But if you don't negotiate every step of the way, then you're just actually leaving more and more dollars so along the way. So how did I get ahead of myself with the negotiations um, with the buyer? Well, we're selling the property already. Oh, we're, we're not there I yet. I get so excited. I, I wanted know. to sit you to that point. Sold the property. I already sold it. Yeah, I already no. told you how to sell it. No. I got one more secret, though. No. Okay, well, let's get, let's, okay, <laughs> let's get to that step before we get to selling the property. No, I will wait after break. <laughs> there is no break. Oh, no, there's no break. <laughs> when we break, we're breaking for seven days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're ending. Okay, the last one is non-refundable earnest deposit. Um, because obviously, it, especially for those of you who are financing this deal. We're selling the house now, right? Because we fixed it up. You fixed it. You're selling it. You brought the stager. And you got Carla Mina, negotiating, negotiator extraordinaire, telling you how to do this. <laughs> Stop it. Anyway, um, you can't agree. You, you don't agree with having someone confirm the approval? Do it. Oh, no. When it's, it's for sale now. Yeah. I the just house want to understand that it's for sale yeah, now. But okay. the house is for sale. You don't list agree the house. with some, List Step the house. Five, list the house. 
List the house. All right, there we have it. The next step is to actually put the house on the market. I get it now. I skipped okay. the list in the house, the market. Right. I already told you. Fine, we've already done our job. We priced it right, so it was on the market for three days. We got multiple offers. How do you negotiate it with the buyer, right? Make sure that you get you confirm the approval and that you also, after someone's done their home inspection, that they give you a non-refundable deposit because if they can't get that loan done, at least that covers the cost of you, you know, paying that interest rate. Right? Do you agree? Disagree? Mm-hmm. Great idea? Yeah. Don't you use it. <laughs> Make sure you use it on your flip. Okay. <laughs> oh, God, you guys. All right, close it out, I guess. We'll I'm see you in let, seven I'm days. I'm going to let our guests close it out today. Patty, you want to throw something in there and Vince as well? Well, in, in addition to... Um, there's a number of professionals you want to have on board if you're an investor at the tail end of it. Um, housekeeping service. Truly, you want to get a, a housekeeping service that is familiar with taking care of a house, a post-construction house, because there's different, there are different needs. Um, and getting it staged, for sure. Um, it's so little money compared to so many of the other improvements that you'd make that it, it, it's marketing dollars well spent. Vince, so. would you, how do you want to wrap it up? Just r- wrap it up with a final thought is, you know, as you're looking to get into this process, just make sure you think of the steps that we're giving you here today and then you apply them. Number one, most important is make sure you're buying the home properly. Acquisition cost. Line yourself up with a good lender. Make sure you have a phenomenal contractor because he's the one who's going to hold your budget in check. If you blow your acquisition and you blow your budget, then you're pretty much going to lose money on the deal. You're just blowing up. All right. So there's there's a few steps in here, but you know if we're going to put an emphasis on all of them are equally important, but you've got to buy it right, and then you've got to make sure you don't over-improve it or build it out um, uh, f- more than what the market will bear. So budget and acquisition price, let those two major points you know, sit in your head as, as uh, being extremely important. That's the easiest way for you to lose money on a deal you're trying to make money on. Love it. And it's exciting. As you said, uh, Nick, um, this is the year to sell, sell, sell. Uh, I'm <laughs> it's a great opportunity sell to it. sell. If you want to get into the flipping business, I encourage everyone to do it. I mean, it's it's really exciting. I'm going to wrap it up with one word. <laughs> comfortable. Oh, Be gosh. comfortable. Leverage. I mean, all the stuff that we gave you is very important information and in how to do this the correct way and the things you're going to definitely need. There might be some things you might want to add on. There might be some things that you might be able to do on your own. That's great for you. But at the end of the day, if you're not comfortable in doing this whole process, you are going to always be walking on eggshells all the way till it's completed and it's sold. And then you might even regret for even wasting your time. With that being said, I want to thank our everyone in the studio today. Patty Mamonia, Stagey Windy City. Thank you for being here. Thank you for Vince Melito. Thank you. Carla, I'm going to try and thank you somehow, somewhere here. I guess. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, who do you call when you need advice? <laughs> I just call you when I need something ridiculous. <laughs> you've been listening to Market Overdrive. Hope you've, hopefully you've learned quite a bit today about flipping. You can obviously look us up. Uh, subscribe to our podcast at WGNRadio.com. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Run all that fun stuff. We'll be back here at 10 a.m. next Wednesday. Uh, live for you again. And hope you have a good week. And see you next week.